Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 10 Laws Podcast with East Forest. I am that East Forest. This week, I have a really cool conversation with Peter Broderick. If you don't know who he is, and I think many of you do, but if you don't, he's an amazing musician, a multi-instrumentalist. He's got his own work and he's collaborated and produced all sorts of people. I mean, anything from like Nils Fromm to M. Ward, Greg Haynes. He was in the band After Kling for many years. And we get into an incredible story about how he ended up being in that band. But he's someone who has been on my radar for a long time. And I had the honor to reach out to him for the Ramdas reworks. And we were graced enough for him to say yes, that he wanted to do a rework. So he reworked the song Home. And if you haven't checked that out, please do. It came out on all platforms on this last Friday, the 15th. So that is the Home Peter Broderick Broderick rework. And it's pretty fun. Super fun. So check it out. Share it. Let us know what you think. And uh, we'll keep on to this journey of folks diving into the... Ramdas material, different artists, and doing their reworks of the album. And we've got a few more to come before the end of the year, and we'll continue to share them with you. And I'm sure you'll enjoy this this conversation. And it's really interesting why he chose this track, and I didn't know why he did. And now I see how it's such a personal connection to sort of what Ramdas says about how psilocybin started him on the spiritual track, as it did me. Well as it did Peter as well. So stay tuned for that in this episode. I am about to head to China. As a matter of fact, when this comes out, uh, I'm in China. And so I'm recording this in advance because I don't even know if I'm going to be able to like, you know, so I hear in China, you can't even up, you can't even load certain web pages and and so forth. And for all I know, East Forest podcast is, is banned from China. It is unknown, but In a measure of keeping things in a timely manner, I'm recording this for you now so that you guys can have your your entertainment and your predictability of the East Forest 10 Laws podcast weekly. Uh, That being said, I will give you all my China updates and insights very soon in the next episode. I might take the Thanksgiving week off, so if you don't see an episode on the Tuesday, Wednesday as I normally release it, fear not. I'll be back the next week there in early December. Um, I guess I'm going out to the Ramdas retreat that week, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Don't you worry. A lot of times I say I'm going to take time off, and then I don't. I just get excited to talk to you all, and I end up releasing something. And I've been thinking about more meditations and thinking about recording another one of those for you. So, you know, if you guys have questions or comments um, or like types of meditations you'd like or ideas or people you'd like me to have conversation with, let me know. Just reach out at info at eastforest.org and let's make this a conversation. Let me know what might be interesting or useful to you or I'm always happy to answer your you know, questions or just as a point of uh, a starting point for conversation. But thank you for all of you who have re- reviewed the podcast. We we finally crossed that 100 ratings mark on Apple Podcasts. I think we're right now, when I was last looked at it, it's 101. I want to thank Honeybee333 for leaving a written review that just says, thank you for doing what you do. You bet. You're welcome. Um, it's really easy to leave a written review. 
you just scroll down there to the very bottom when you have internet service. Just hit the tap on the five stars and then it says write a review. And then you just write a little review. I mean, come on. It takes it takes like a minute. I like to see it. But other people, more importantly, it helps them think that, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give this podcast a try. I'll dive in. So thank you for reviewing this podcast. And if you're listening on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to podcasts, Thank you for sharing it in your social medias and sending it out to your friends and uh, helping this free offering continue to proliferate into the world. It's kind of a fun time of year. I, I just you know came up from, from Boulder, so I'm in Boise to be based out of here with Rada for most of the winter. I took Dog back to, to uh, Karina, my, my ex, and we had a nice lunch, and I'm hoping to see the little puppy again soon. But I'm, I'm wrapping up my work here on the music studio space here in Boise, and it's coming along. Uh, shout out to the city of Boise, Inspector Tony, for being such a cool guy and allowing us to finish this thing. But I'm, I'm actually getting into the stage of furniture and like finishing the tile and just the trim. And then it's like all I have to do is work on acoustical treatments, and then I can start plugging shit in and making music for you all. So... That's really why I'm doing this is because I need a I need a place up here to properly mix and hear music. And I know it's a lot of work to put a room together just so you can hear something right. But hey, man, priorities, right? After this, I'm building another sauna up here in Boise. I've got plans for another wood-fired sauna. So I'll keep you updated on those projects. My goal is to get the music studio completely done by Christmas. That's the Christmas gift to myself. That will just keep on giving if all goes well. All right, let's get into this conversation. This is Mr. Peter Roderick. Because you and I both grew up in Oregon, I grew up in Salem. And I think you were in okay. Carlton. Is that right? Yeah. It's a little town. Yeah, I was in Carlton, which is near McMinnville, Newburgh, uh, Yamhill County, about an hour mm-hmm. from Portland. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I've always, you know, somewhere I picked that up. That that's where you were from, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Peter's kind of a an Oregon guy. But you've definitely spread your wings and made your way. Seems like to many different places in Europe, right? I mean, you lived in. Denmark, Berlin, Ireland, and now you're in London. That's and I'm right. guessing there might be other places as yeah. well. Those are the main places I've lived. And, and you know, yeah, it, it, since I moved to Denmark when I was 20, so I've lived in Europe for most of my adult life now, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, Carlton, Oregon's where, 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 where I grew up. I was actually born in Maine, actually. Um, but when I was three and a half or four, my family picked up and got in a Volkswagen van and drove over to Oregon. <laughs> your parents sound like free spirited. They changed their names, move across the country yeah. and they have a son like you. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they were, they were hippies. Um, uh-huh. and I say that in the most loving way. Um, my mother was a, a yoga teacher when I was a kid and you know, that was in the nineties when before yoga was really the big, um, an industry fad that it is now yeah an industry uh you know my 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 friends at school 
thought my mom was leading devil worship workshops or something, you know. <laughs> and I, I myself didn't really know what she was doing, but I knew it wasn't bad. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, my parents, my parents are great. You know, they're super supportive and um, totally get what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And uh, yeah, they're 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 just the best. I love them. Well, I want to I want to talk a bit about the rework you did for the Ram Dass album, but this what yeah. we're talking about now helps me connect the dots personally and I think it'll help connect others dots as well because yeah. I'm trying to figure out a little bit the what you do and the why you do it and certainly I understand it pretty well on the level of like I do something similar but you are so prolific and you have such a sense of uh at least this is from the outside point of view but a sense of joy about what you create because mm-hmm. it's diverse and i just see you taking risks and kind of seemingly to do what you want to do and you seem to have done that your entire career and there's like a a lightness to that creatively that i find really admirable and is there something that happened that you can kind of connect the dots for yourself in your own upbringing or like what it is that led you to have that sense of being or if i'm totally off base and you're like it's been totally methodical no you know um that that completely makes sense to me that it would come across that way. And it feels that way to me. You know, I, I, I really have this feeling of like, you know, I'll, I'll do one thing. I'll write some songs on the guitar, say, and then, then record those. And then I'll say, okay, now I want to make some music that doesn't have any guitar or my voice or, or whatever yeah. was used in that thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I've always been, really curious about different instruments. When I was a teenager, I started collecting instruments. Um, you know, I would go over to friends' houses and look in their garage or their attic and see an accordion collecting dust and say, can I have that? And, you know, there was a time where it felt like I was getting a new instrument every week. Um, and I had this massive collection of instruments and I just, I really loved all the different sounds and, um, you know, I would get really excited about bands that use sort of, you know, non-traditional instruments um, mm. in, in their music, like the musical saw or the theremin or, you know, um, these really bizarre things that you don't see that often. So, uh, yeah, I just it started very young for me that I just was very curious about all these different things. And, you know, I've often wondered if um, you know, cause sometimes I'll see someone who's devoted their life to one very specific practice, whether it's an instrument or a style of music and they really refine it over time. And it just, you see just this straight line of their, um, progression with the thing, you know, and sometimes I feel a bit envious about people like that. I think, you know, part of, part of what I do is, uh, probably some element of it is a little bit of sort of, um, uh, I don't want to say laziness, that sounds too bad, but, you know, sometimes, you know, let's say I'm playing the guitar and then, you know, I could put in some work to actually go some places that I can't physically do yet, but rather than do that, I think, oh, I'll just go play the piano for a while. <laughs> yeah. Know? So um, I, I've often wondered how much of it is the curiosity and how much of it is the the sort of unwillingness to um, stick with one thing through those sort of rough patches, if you know what I mean. But well, for whatever excited. reason, yeah. yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, I just, I just really enjoy doing that. It keeps me stimulated, and and 
and wide-eyed. And, and like you say, it keeps the process joyous for me. And, and um, that's, I just, I can't think of anything more important than that really, you know? Right. Like, why else are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, have, have you ever thought about that the limitations you might have on an instrument technically becomes an asset to the songwriting. It kind of, it doesn't let it get to. Yeah. I have thought, I I mean, I think that, or at least I like to think that about my piano playing Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's only as good as it is. And uh, it makes the work simple. I am, I am such a firm believer in that you don't need technical skill or good equipment to make good art. You know, you don't, you don't need to, some of my favorite music is by people who, aren't musicians at all and they record themselves on GarageBand with a built-in laptop mic you know <laughs> like those whatever tools you have um you can you can you can make good art with it i think and uh yeah so so you know i have to remind myself sometimes like that if i if i see someone playing an instrument and i think oh if only i could be that good but it's not about that you know it's it's just mm. about creating and, and, and getting a powerful feeling when you create, right? Well, what is it when you sit down, or I don't know if you sit down to make music or if you're just always sort of in a playful state of letting it come out when it does, but if it's someone like you who's moving around a lot, so I, if you're starting to gather up equipment and stuff, I would imagine you have to let some of that go as you move to a new place, perhaps. Yeah. And yeah. so you are outputting a lot. I mean, do you go to studios or do you just do it super DIY? Are you, are you getting, like, how do you, are you mixing your own stuff, for instance? And can you do that without a critical listening environment? Well, um, yes, I do believe that you can do that. But, you know, over the years, I've done everything from, you know, make records with a laptop in my bedroom to, um, or even a four track cassette recorder, um, to working in really hi-fi studios and, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it depends on the project nowadays. If it depends, you know, let's say I'm doing some music for a film and there's a decent budget, I might try and, um, hire some other musicians and some people who are good at the technical stuff. But Mm -hmm. I also, at this point, I've worked so much on my own Um, you know, just with some recording software on my own computer that I feel pretty comfortable with the sounds I can get. And I I even feel sometimes a bit impatient when I'm in a recording studio now, because there's all that, there's that layer of communication you have to kind of get across to whoever the engineer is, what Mm -hmm. you, what you want it to sound like. Whereas when I record at home, um, it's so much, there's much more of a flow to it for me. Um, it depends on who, who you're working with, of course, but, um, but, but yeah, so I, 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 I do it all, but uh, like I say, I, I, I do believe that you can, you can make good stuff with minimal, um, technical, uh, equipment and know-how. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so what, what is, is the, the, the creative, um, inspiration for you when you're sitting down to work? I mean, does it, is it just sort of a, is it sort of like I want to just enjoy this and have fun? Is that the fuel that's firing it, or is it more project specific? And you're just kind of uh, you know maybe it's like you've set out a set of parameters like that you want to paint within. Like I only yeah. like no piano on this, and then let's just see what happens. Yeah, it it tends to be more that way, and and 
since I've, you know, I've been, I've been making my living as a musician for, uh, over a decade now, about 12 years. And, um, a lot of that time has been spent doing commissioned work, whether it's for film or, or dance or, um, maybe, you know, also helping other people produce their own recordings. Um, so in those situations, the project itself has these parameters, as you say, that sort of, um, I like to think of them as, as a box around the project and you, that box is very clearly defined, but then, you know, you get inside there and you, you have those tools and then you sort of push at the edges of that box and see how much you can (laughs) stretch it out. And, um, so yeah, a lot of the projects are like that. And I, I also really like, you know, when I'm making an album just of my own accord, I, I, my, Wrote most recent project I did was when I moved to London, I had a set of songs I'd written on the guitar and I thought, I really want to just make a bedroom album. I want to record the whole thing in my bedroom. Um, so I, I just did that even with drums and stuff, you know, I had this tiny space, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to make it all happen in the bedroom. Um, so, so I did that. And, uh, those, those kind of parameters really are helpful for me. Yeah. I think for any good art having, limitations usually makes it better i certainly find that myself and especially now because with sounds and libraries of sounds you can just you can sit there endlessly choosing things and i don't know it feels a certain washed out quality when it doesn't come from a grounded place of choice yeah Uh, yeah i mean i once you know the first few records i did were very um they all had specific themes the first one i really wanted to focus on piano and strings and then um, the next mm-hmm. one I wanted, I said, okay, I'm not going to use any piano or strings this is going to be a guitar and voice album. And then somewhere down the line, I thought, okay, I'm going to make a record where I don't have any limitations at all. And it, it almost didn't get done. It just, it dragged right. on for years and years and years. And it just, you know, it got to the point where I was like, I couldn't tell, should I add more? Should I take stuff away? I was so lost in it. And at some point I just, I just had to like just kind of call it good where it was at, and um, yeah, it was it was a real struggle. What was that record? The name of the record is really annoying. It's a it's a website URL. It's called http colon slash slash www.itstartshere.com. Well, that's probably a real site, right? Well, it was a real site, and um, at the time it came out. Uh, my whole idea behind it, this is, this is a, you know, this is, this is a ridiculous story, but I'm going to tell it cause we're on. No, let's get into the subject. it. Man. But, um, when I was making the songs, I was thinking this was in 2012, it came out. So it was around 2009 and 10 that I got started. And, uh, I, all the songs had real specific stories behind them. You know, one was about a friend who had passed away. Another was about a letter exchange I had with another friend. They all had these stories behind them. And I, I wanted to make like these big liner notes or even like a book that could come with the record. And then I thought, who's going to get that now? Like how, what percentage of the, of the right. listeners would they will see, it? see that? Because so much of us live in this digital world. And even more so now, this was, this was a decade ago. So it was even less. But even at that point, I was wondering, who's going to see this if I make a book Mm. that goes with this? So Mm. I started just thinking about that. And I thought, 
I really want all the listeners to have the access to the, the same material, you know, whether they buy the record physically or they download it or they're streaming it. So my, my solution to that was to give the album a title that's a website. So you go there and then oh. on that website, there's a page for each song and, and all this description and credits and all that. And, um, and it was open. It was also open to the public for for uh, comments, and I, I got lots and lots of comments on there. I eventually just, you know, you have to pay to keep a website up. So after after ten years of it going, I thought, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to let this go now. Um, but yeah, was that record in collaboration with Nils Fromm, or am it, I incorrect? It was indeed. Yeah, he produced that record. Um, so, so this is when you were in Berlin. I yes, yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, and that was, Nils was kind of um, one of the main reasons I moved to Berlin and toward the end of 2009, um, beginning of 2010. I, I had become really good friends with him and we were collaborating a lot at that time. Um, I produced a record of his before that. And then, you know, I asked him to produce that one for me. And uh so yeah, we had this kind of um this this collaborative thing going pretty strongly for a while. Amazing. Yeah, I, I listened today to the Olive Ray record. Um oh, I yeah. really like it. I oh, really nice. like that. Yeah. It's got some beautiful stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. That those are mine and Nils's middle names put together, Oliver and Ray. Okay. Um, I was wondering. It's not, yeah. the, it's not the easiest band. So many of these side <laughs> projects of mine, like my collaborations, I, I look back years later and I think, why didn't we just use our, our real names? <laughs> <laughs> I made a, a record with my friend called Greg Haynes and we called the record oh, he's great. Uh, yeah. Greg Gives Peter Space. I like that title. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was clever. Oh, I'm so I glad. I liked it. So well, it just kind of made me think and then it made me, I don't know, it was visual. You know, yeah, it gave yeah. me an image in my yeah. head. Um, Greg, yeah, man, you've, yeah, you're the who's who of who you've collaborated with and walked paths with in the last 10, 12 years is incredible. I mean, it's, yeah, it really is. It blows me <laughs> it away. It really is. Well. It really is. I mean, and I don't even know where to start. I and mean, we don't have to sit here and talk about everyone you've worked with. But I, at the same time, I'm just trying to figure out the special sauce in your personality that's led to you there's all that happening like yeah let's go back to uh is it f f after clang after clang yeah the danish is it true that you yeah i've heard some of their music i listened to it i just never Uh taken a deep dive but uh, wait they have a side project i saw one of the maybe recently yeah they had another band called lima for a little while yeah i think Um, but that story in itself is a total fairy tale Story. Well, that's what I want to ask you, if it's true that it's from MySpace. Yes, yes. And you, you ended up being in this band yeah. from MySpace so and then you, five you, years of touring. Do you remember MySpace? Of course. I remember Friendster. You okay. Know, I'm older than you. It's funny because I feel like a lot of people feel really nostalgic towards MySpace now. And and I, I do myself. It was well, you a, should it, at yeah. the time. It, <laughs> yeah, at the time it came out, it was just such a nice way of connecting with musicians all around the world and there really hadn't been anything like it before it was um, new yes we, we weren't all jaded on all the social media stuff back then mm-hmm. it was just new and exciting so but yeah i you know i um i i first heard after clang when i was just riding in a friend's car 
in Portland. He had some music on and I said, what is this? And he pulled out the CD and I saw it was after Clang. So I went to the, you know, the CD store, Music Millennium, I believe, in yeah, Portland, Oregon, if you know it. Yeah, um, of course. And I picked up after Clang's album, Tripper, and I was totally obsessed with it. It just was unlike anything I'd ever heard. Very, um, that album in particular is very different from what they're doing nowadays. It's, it's more, it's darker and it's, it's, it's quite heavily orchestrated with strings and horns, but it's got this kind of dark, um, almost clinical electronic edge to it as well. Um, mm. And it just, you know, at the time I was 18 years old or so, and it just, it blew my mind. And um, when I started a MySpace page, they were the first people I sent a friend request to. And then I don't know if you remember, but on MySpace, you'd have this thing called Top Friends. Oh, yeah. Where you like, you know, you would put Tom. Your, yeah, <laughs> Tom would be automatically your number one friend, but you could rearrange it and put, you know, and this, this was a bit, you know, this social hierarchy. You'd be checking in on your friends to see where you were in their top friends and if you had moved or whatever. You know? It was the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but in After Clang's top friends, I saw Casper, who's the singer. He had a personal profile. So I. I clicked on that and I sent him a friend request. And the next day I wake up and there's a message from Casper and it's like, Oh, Peter, thanks for the friend request. Um, I see that you play the musical saw. I had some recordings for musical saw up on my page at the time. He's like, that's such a cool instrument. And I, I write back to him. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are, are like my favorite band. I would love to send you some music. Can I have your address? So this guy gives me his address in Denmark and, you know, I wasn't giving this music to anyone in Oregon, maybe my family, maybe a few close friends, but nobody took me seriously, really. I, I played in a lot of bands. I was a, a companist and side guy. But when it came to making my own stuff, there was no one in Oregon who, you know, looked at me like that. Um, so, but Amazing. I had these aspirations. So to get this, you know, this interest from, you know, well, I mean, I don't know how interested he was at the start, but when I started sending him CDs, anytime I'd make something new, I'd burn a CD and I'd send it to Casper. And um, he would always respond with the most thoughtful, sweet feedback, and it it really kept me going. And so we kind of kept this up this relationship for a couple of years. And then one day out of the blue, I, I can remember the exact moment I was on tour with a band from Portland called Horse Feathers, who I played in with for many years. And um, we were in Boston or, or Cambridge. Um, what's that place called? TT the Bears? Um, yeah. It's a place that's a it. lot of American touring yeah. acts know. Um, and we were parked outside across the street in front of a Walgreens. And I'm sitting there trying to get on Walgreens Wi-Fi to check my email and um, I go to my MySpace and there's a message from Efterclang. And I can even remember the subject line. It said, Efterclang Live and Wild Ideas. And they said, hey, Peter, you know, we're, we're looking for someone to join our live band who plays violin. And we know this is a crazy idea, but we wondered if you might ever consider moving to Denmark and touring with us for the next couple of years. And on top of that, supporting the shows as a solo act. Come on. So, I mean, they're committing my, to like that, like years, I, you know, and there like, wasn't, you know, there wasn't any clips of me on YouTube. You know, they were just basing this on these CDRs I'd burned and sent to Casper. So, that's unbelievable. Um, uh, I mean, years later, I find out that the way this really went down is they were all sitting there 
talking about their live band. And, you know, Casper kept saying, yeah, we, you know, we really need someone like this guy, Peter Broderick, that plays all these instruments. And, you know, and they're like, yeah, but he's in America. And they kept thinking of people. And he kept saying it like, yeah, we just need someone like this guy, Peter Broderick. And finally, one of the guys just said, well, why don't you just ask him? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, and um, I had never played a single solo show in my life. Come on, seriously? Here I was being offered to go and support this band and play with them. Um, I didn't own a passport. I'd never been outside the U.S. aside from a couple trips to Mexico with my family when I was a kid. Uh, Two months later, I was living in Denmark. (laughs) How old were you? 20. I couldn't even buy a beer in Oregon. God, unbelievable. And you went there by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, Good for pretty you. crazy. <laughs> and, and you did indeed uh, become a member of the band for many years. Yeah, right? I toured, toured with them all around the world for five years. And, and the first couple years, I supported almost all of the shows. So I was playing two shows every night. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I went on to play with them for five years. They're still very good friends of mine. Um, I, you know, I, we cross paths every now and again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one day we do some work together again. Um, but yeah, they're, they're like my family and they really showed me the ropes with all this music stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. What an amazing education. I imagine you met a lot of these people that you ended up knowing over the years through yeah. that experience. I That's presume. right. You know, booking agents, concert promoters, uh, label representatives, all these people, you know, when you're, when you're playing shows like 200 days out of the year, you meet a lot of people in the music industry and, um, and yeah, and, and so, yeah, I made a lot of connections that way. That's so wild. And so you've just been in Europe more or less that time. Am I correct though? You did come back to the States after that mm. HTTPS album. Yeah, that's, um, that's right. And I spent two and a half years in Denmark. Then I moved to Berlin for a few years. And then, uh, then I was kind of feeling like, you know, it's funny because when I moved to Denmark, I thought, this is my ticket, you know. Um, George Bush was was in office, George W. Bush, and <laughs> you know the the perception of America from abroad at that time was just kind of a joke. And, I mean, it's it's better sounds, now. Sounds, so. so, yeah, it's better now. <laughs> I was going to say it's funny to say that now because if, it, if yeah, it was George joke, Bush, he's like, if it was great. Let's George get him Bush, back. I mean, he's doing his paintings and all that now. <laughs> yeah. He seems lovely. He's chill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, at the time I thought this is my ticket out and I, I just didn't ever envision going back. But sure enough, after about six years in Europe, I kind of felt like, oh man, I would love to just be near my mom again for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I actually got a bit sick. I, I kept having some recurring health issues in, in Berlin. Um, I thought, you know, I, I'm just going to go be by my family for a while and get out of the big city. I moved to a little coastal town in Oregon and was just, you know, um, that's when my life really changed a lot. And, uh, that's when, that's also when psilocybin got me on the spiritual path. Oh, did it? Um, I did yeah. not know this. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. if you want to segue into this Ramdas rework. I um, do. Um, man, there's so many, I just want to say one side note. Uh, you're telling that's that beautiful story of how you essentially reached out to that band and they wrote back and you were overjoyed how it changed your life. And it wasn't quite the same experience for me, but I did reach out to you um, 
yeah, quite a yeah. while ago, a yes. long time ago. I was just starting out and I somehow came across your music and I think it was something about the Oregon and even the Berlin bit. I, I, I'm, I'm half German. I've gone to Berlin a few times. I toyed around with like, maybe I'd go to Berlin, you know, but you wrote me back and yeah. most people don't, you okay. know, and okay. you wrote back a very sweet message, kind of like the one you said, just saying like, oh, that's really nice to hear. And, you know, thanks for writing and, um, all the best from Berlin or wherever you were. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was, um, really left an impression on me to this day that now when people write me, I try to write everyone back if I can, oh, even if it's you. a short message because of that, because I'm like, why not? It's like, we're all just people. And, and there's been, there have been things now in my life where, um, like actually one of the, uh, reworks that's happening from Nick Mulvey, I didn't know Nick, but he just, um, had commented on something like in stories of Instagram. <coughs> and I happened to pick up on his name and I was like, I should reach out to him. Wow. You know? And, there's just these small connections that, you know, these create these webs in our lives. I mean, yeah. what an incredible change it made for you. You moved to Denmark, you I toured know. for five years, I you know. did all the, you know, and you, now you're in London. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, um, when you first reached out to me about the Ramdas rework, um, I didn't remember that first correspondence we had, but I, I, a couple of weeks, not. a yeah. couple <laughs> weeks later though, I was searching for that email, um, from you and i came across in my inbox the one from years before it was still there what? oh my god i don't even remember so, what i said was it was um, do you know what year it was i've got it right here hang on uh, oh this is amazing yeah <laughs> it was i think it was 2013 let me see um it feels like a long uh, time it, ago to me no, it, it was in it portland it was 2015 is that right okay it could be i was in no, portland no. no no sorry it's 2013 Okay. December two thousand December eleventh, two thousand thirteen. Well yeah, we're coming up very, on our anniversary, Peter. Now. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. What did I have to say? I hope it was you, um, you, not you too good. You talked about rediscovering my music and that it felt sort of aligned with your own sort of um uh, sensibilities and, and you're thanking me for, for offering my gifts, as you say. Um, and you say that you're, you're based in Portland. So that definitely piqued my interest, you know? Um, and then you, you, you sent me uh, a link to your Prana record. And, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. and I, so I, I, I must've given that a listen at the time. And, um, and then, uh, I wrote you just a quick note back and yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for that. I mean, here, and so here we are. And I remember actually, so when, the Ramdas thing came up and I was thinking about people to reach out to. And initially it was sort of a very broad, uh, group is almost more in the dance direction, but that just wasn't happening, you know? Oh, okay. Okay. And then the people, the, the first group that said yes was hammock. And yeah. I was like, I was like, fantastic. So yeah. and then that happened really quickly a long time ago. And then I was like, well, let's reach out to, uh, some more people in that world, really the world I'm in, which starts to make more sense. Yeah. And then it just yeah. completely flowed naturally. And cool. of course, your name came up in my mind. And I thought, I said, of course, I can reach out to Peter. He wrote back yeah, several yeah. years ago. So he'll, he'll read it. He'll get it. And you did. So I'm really happy that it worked out and um, you did this. Yeah. Did I mean, it's, honestly, it's it's such an honor, man. I mean, you know, Ramdas is such a legend. Oh, um, yeah. And, 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 you know, this, this, this opportunity has, has given me a good excuse to go and sort of dig 
deeper into his life and and his 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 teachings and all that and mm -hmm. um, it's been very deeply rewarding for me um yes so, me too yeah. yeah and tell me so tell me about why you chose to do the, the song home which is about ramdas's first experience with psilocybin and how he credits it with starting him on his spiritual path yeah and that was the lyric that you focused in on and yeah. i'm really curious to hear about how that resonates with you personally in your own life yeah well you know it's such an interesting time in our culture because you know there was a time when when um you know, back when uh, Ram Dass was, it was with um, Timothy Leary and they had this sort of, uh, where was it at Harvard? They had the, yeah. the go-ahead to do all this research with psychedelics and they were mm -hmm. really discovering such um, revolutionary uh, things. And, um, but then it all got shut down and, and it was like that for many years. Um, so you had all these people having these revelations in private but, uh, you know, we've had to kind of keep it on the hush-hush. But I feel in the last few years, I see more and more um, people speaking out about this. And, 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 then, and then, in turn, more research projects getting the green light. And so we're sort of uh, opening up to um, discover Indeed. these things a bit more. And, and, and uh, so, so I'm, I'm one person who's tremendously excited about that um, because... Uh, and, and, and when I heard that lyric come on in the song, you know, the first thing he says is psilocybin is my friend. Psilocybin got me on the spiritual path. And I just, I had to smile so big because, <laughs> you know, it just, it, 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 the exact same thing happened for me. Me um, too. You know, I, I'd like to think that I like to think now that we, we're all spiritual beings, whether we even realize it or not. And I, and I, even if I look at the way I lived my life before having a, a so-called spiritual awakening, you know, um, it was all very spiritual, whether I realized it or not. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but for me, that conscious, uh, that becoming conscious of, of, of my own spirituality um, you know, psilocybin, uh, opened that up to me big time. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that had happened right around the time that I moved back to Oregon. Um, I'd had a couple, uh, you know, experiences in Berlin, but when I got back to Oregon one night, I was, I was, uh, you know, I had been away for six years, so I was spending lots of time just going around Portland um, reveling in all the delicious food and drinks, and, you know, Portland's <laughs> right. so amazing for all that, right? Especially so, then and now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was just so blown away by that. And I had such a big smile on my face, just being home. And I was having all these amazing coincidences happen where I was bumping into people and it all just felt like I was in the right place at the right time. And I had this thought of, of wanting to explore, uh, mushrooms or psilocybin a bit more. Um, and one night I was just sitting outside uh, a bar having a drink by myself. And this guy comes around the corner and says, does anybody want mushrooms? <laughs> and I said, yep. <laughs> and, um, so, and I, and that night I, I, I ate some right away. And, uh, a, an hour or so later I start riding my bike back to where I was staying at the time. And it was just, you know, you could, uh, 
you can imagine. It, it just was such an amazing bike ride. And this I, is like the point, LSD story. Yeah, where yeah, the guy, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Albert Hoffman, right? Yeah, he was yeah, on his the bike, bike ride. Yeah, the um, first trip. And I mean, that night was just amazing. I mm. I stopped off to get some water, and the, the even the idea of water was so amazing to me. I just to to drink some water. It just it was so powerful, and I stopped off, and the, there were a couple homeless guys outside this shop, and um, you know, you know how we can be with homeless people. Sometimes we might smile at them or give them a coin, but it's kind of like you know we're, we're we're a bit reluctant to connect. A lot of us, most of the time, I know I am, um, but I just I just was all ears for these guys. I stopped and I talked to them for I don't know how long it was, honestly, but. Um, uh, I became really good, quite good friends with them. And, and I, I went back searching to find one of them many times. Um, any, anyway, that's a whole nother story, but, uh, so yeah, I had this amazing experience and I had some more of the mushrooms and I decided to save them for, um, I was taking a trip down to LA a couple of weeks later. So I thought I'm going to save these and go into the redwoods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had this, absolutely amazing experience where I, I, I went down to the redwoods. I found myself a little cabin and I had a little light meal. And then I ate these mushrooms and I, I walked out the door, uh, with pretty much nothing in my hands, um, and just walked into the woods. And, uh, you know, soon enough, um, the visuals start kicking in and, my whole night, I can't even really describe what happened that night. It was just so mm. surreal mm. and supernatural. Mm. Um, but the amazing thing is that at some point it got so dark that I, I couldn't find my way out of where I was going. And uh, I, <clears throat> I, um, so I, I just decided to sit down and kind of meditate until the daylight came. And um, I wasn't scared at all. That was the most amazing feeling. I was, even I was, I was soaking wet. I had been splashing around in a river that I found and, um, I was really cold, but I was so calm inside and I just sat there and I breathed very deeply for, you know, hours and hours and hours until the daylight came. And so daylight finally comes and I start walking back to my cabin and, uh, I realize on the way that I've lost the key. So I get back to the cabin and I, I managed to climb in through the window and get a couple hours of rest before I have to check out. And then I go to the checkout and I, I tell the woman the whole story minus the mushrooms. You know, I was out exploring in the woods and it got dark and I, I lost my key. And she said, oh, you poor thing. You know, there's a killer on the loose in this area right now. <laughs> Come on, <a> killer. <laughs> and, and I said, what? She said, oh, yeah, a few days ago. A man killed his entire family and then disappeared, and the FBI had been out here searching for him. Oh, <laughs> so God. so I, I'm thinking, okay, first of all, thank God this guy didn't find me. Second of all, thank God that FBI didn't see me splashing right. around in this river by myself. I mean, they could have just shot There's me down. The guy. But yeah. Anyway, that's a funny story, but uh uh the, the more important part is the experiences that I had and just what that did to my whole being and, um, and, uh, how that's, how that's really changed my life. And so when I heard that r- line from Ram Dass, I just felt like, yeah, let's, let's just mantra this, you know, let's just, let's just let this line repeat. And just, I feel like people 
are are ready for this right now. They 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 want to hear this, mm-hmm. and um, and I want to hear it. So yeah, it's it seems like if I'm tracking this correctly, you know, you toured for five years, you had a lot of growth. At some point, you made lots of records, and you started working on one where you had no limits mm-hmm. with Nils From, and something burned out there. Or something happened. Yes. You're getting sick. Your body was responding. You moved back yeah. to Oregon. And it's sort of like a little dark night of the soul time. It's sort of time for a reconnection. Everyone's, the body's saying, slow down. The soul's saying, it's time to... You're sort of given the mushrooms. And it sounds like you did have a kind of rejuvenation. Absolutely. I, I really did. Um, and it, and it, it just it opened up my connection to the natural world. I mean, since that time, um, you know, like b- before I started making a living from music, my passion was music. You know, I had a job making pizza and I went to school, but you know, with my free time, I'd be making music and that was what I loved to do. But once, once music kind of became my job, and I think this is partially why I burned out, I kind of, it got all in, you know, when things get entwined with money, they can get a bit, tricky sometimes or mm-hmm. you know you're you might i might take on a job that i don't necessarily want to do but i i need the, the money so um so then music becomes a bit tainted with all this stuff right and mm-hmm. and i kind of was missing that i was like well, so what what's my thing now and after um uh you know after in the last few years especially since i moved back to oregon and had those very powerful experiences with the natural world um nature has really become my passion. I've gotten so into, um, herbalism and foraging. I like my favorite, absolute favorite thing to do is to go out and pick wild greens and berries and, and mushrooms, Mm. wild food. That's, that's really, um, my, my big thing now. It's like the relationship that I had with music before it became my job. You have to know what you're doing to do that, don't you? With you the do, local area. yeah. And I've I've made a few mistakes and hopefully learned from them. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's you know I've I, I have a huge collection of books about foraging, and I've done a few workshops with people. And the amazing thing is, is that the more you do, the more comfortable you get, and you start to get this, you know, more intuitive you get in touch more intuitively with your senses. You know, we, I think, you know, when plants have a certain bitterness to them or something, we can, we can tell what's good for our bodies. If we're really Mm -hmm. in, 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 in touch with, with things. And and I wouldn't say I'm fully there yet, but I've certainly developed a lot of that. um, That that's come a long way for me over the years. There's a, I'm down here in Southern Utah right now in the four corners and there's a school here called the Boulder Outdoor Survival School. And oh wow, one of the teachers there, a friend of mine, Dave Holiday, he's a total wild man. You know, he lived in a cave for a long time. Wow. Finally, but he's a great guy, great spirit. And uh, when I was out hiking with him, you know, he's showing me little things that I can eat and picking up these little yeah. wild tubers in the ground. And I said, yeah. "How did you learn all of this?" Uh-huh. You know, and, and he said. He says, you just try things and you, some things make you sick and some things don't. And after a long time, you've, you know, and you get really in tune with that stuff and really in tune. And then you start to get an intuition about it. And then you just, there only are so many plants in one area, right? So basically you've you've learned them. It's so funny. Like so many people think now like, 
oh my God, how did people figure out what to eat? It must have been such a weird trial and error, you know, so many people died and got sick. And it's like, actually, have you ever considered the possibility that those people were so much more in tune intuitively with what their body needs and what, what is good for their body, um, that it wasn't trial and error. It was communication with the plant right. world or whatever, um, the, whatever, whether it's fungi or animals or whatever, it's, it's, it's communication with, with, with what you're with the universe about what your body needs. And I, I, I really believe that. Um, and, and you can, you know, like that guy, like he, he feels it for himself. And I, I feel it developing in myself when I, when I spend the time um, diving into that a bit. Oh, for sure. There's, there's an author named Ken Carey and his books are sort of channeling of sorts, but he claims that the way it started for him was he and his family moved out of the city and onto a farm and just were getting into this complete natural rhythms. And after years of this, Mm. all of a sudden this stuff just was there flowing through him out onto the page, but it wasn't before. Wow. And I think a lot about creativity and art and how we're sort of these mechanisms of an antenna, right? Of just sort Mm -hmm. of like what makes us sort of unique as, as humans is our ability to be creative. And what are the things that perhaps stunt that? or funnel it, or filter it. And probably the things that make us the most human and that have been with us for millions of years, like you're talking about, uh, probably help you out. They help the system and the machine work at its best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, like, you know, a day spent out, you know, it's, it's like it's like meditation as well. You know, like pe- some people think like, but I don't have time to meditate. And I, I can get in that cycle too where I'm like, you know, I, I, I really would like to meditate today, but I just don't have time. I'm too busy. But anyone who actually spends time meditating is so aware of how much more efficiently they work when, they, when they're, you know, going about their business. Like a lot of people feel like they gain time by putting that, you know, even 20 minutes aside a day just to sit with yourself. And for me, it's the same going outdoors and foraging. Like when I go out and do that, it's such a meditation, such a, such a um, contemplative time for me. It, It really, then when I go and work, it just, it just all pours out so much more readily. Why London then? Because that seems like yeah. you know one of the biggest <clears throat> cities we have. Yeah, yeah I was in rural planet. Ireland for the last three years, so um, moving to London is a, a bit of a shock. Uh, but it does make a lot of sense in many ways. Um, I think being in rural Ireland, I mean, for for these passions has has been amazing. Um, but the reality of my life now is that I I travel, you know on a weekly or monthly basis to play concerts. And so, you know, getting on a bus for three hours to an airport uh, <laughs> all the time, instead of, you know, a place like London, you can kind of get anywhere. Um, so, and, and also just in Ireland, I just didn't really have both my, my wife and I just didn't really have much of a social network or community. Um, you know, there were lots of people around that we can relate to on a very, very basic level, but, for us as musicians and artists, um, there's so many more people here in London that, uh, that we feel a little bit more on the same page with in that creative realm. 
And like my record label I work with most often is based here. Um, well, which one? There's so uh, many you work with. Erase Tapes is the label oh, I work with yes. most often these days. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, and I've I've there's there's another musician friend of mine uh, that I've been getting really close with over the last year. So he was a good reason I wanted to move here. We wanted to work more together. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it logistically, it makes a lot of sense for us right now. I think, uh, and, and actually I was surprised with how much foraging I've been able to do here in London since moving over. I mean, you know, blackberries are everywhere, as you can imagine, they just kind of take over and uh, there's always a little hidden alleyway that's overgrown with blackberries. But, you know, things like nettle and dandelion, um, these grow everywhere as well. Plantain um, and then elderberries. I was oh. harvesting a bunch of elderberries this oh. autumn uh, and making elderberry syrup, which I just drank yes. the last of today. It was very sad. But so, it's, so delicious. That's going to be a good tonic for colds, right? Elderberry. Yeah, it's really elderberries really good for the immune system. So as this transition happens into the into the fall, if you're in one of these climates that has a big transition like that, um, it's it's so helpful to have something like that to just kind of back you up a little bit. So are you planning to continue to be in Europe for a while, or is it sort of open ended, or do you do you still tour in the states as much? You know, I I've never really had much success in the states um and i don't really know why that is you know partially is just because i've been here i guess and I've, I've 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 toured mostly here so i've met mostly people here but it's it's just it's just weird i don't i don't often get reached out to by people in america and and what has kept my career going is uh people reaching out to me you know like i've i i reach out to and i I, I, I show appreciation for other artists that I admire and all that. But then things just tend to sort of happen organically for me. Someone will say, hey, do, will you do some music for this film score? Will you come on this tour? And I'm like, sure, yes, yes, yes. And um, It's karma, man. Yeah. So I'm like so busy <laughs> with that stuff that I've never had the time really to um, say, okay, mm. now I want to figure out how to tour in America. Um, but it's sad for me because... I'd love to do more there, uh, but it just hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Well, you're a young guy, and your output is so creative and diverse. I have no doubt there will be more and more experiences all over the world for you. I mean, things have changed so much with music, right? In the last couple of years, too. Yeah, it's, the yeah. audience themselves is all over the place and yeah. growing every month. New yeah. countries coming online to Spotify and so forth. Absolutely, yeah. I, and I've... I've been really intrigued by uh, what you're doing because um, just doing a bit more research since we got in touch about this Ramdas project. Um, yeah, I, I'm 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 intrigued by what kind of. I feel like the the world that you travel, the circuit that you perform in, is is a little different than than the circuit and the world that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I don't know how yeah. illusionary that is but i'm really curious about the little niche that you've carved out for yourself and it seems like um yeah i don't know i think i, I grew up feeling like the anything in the new age category was just really cheesy um well me too but, I, you know, I never yeah. 
I never set out to do that, and I still don't self-identify. Matter of fact, the only reason the Ramdas record has been coming out in the New Age category is yeah. because um, we thought it'd be cool to have Ramdas have a shot at a Grammy. Right, right. That's the only category it fit into. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, but, there you know, really also, wasn't another one. But I feel like, you know, people like like you and maybe even a little bit myself, uh, we're, we're infusing this sort of new age category with a, a, a new life. Um, because yeah, and actually now there's a lot of music that I may have thought was cheesy when I was a kid that now I think is really beautiful. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I'm sure the grass is always greener. Um, you know, the way it happened for me is I, oh, just a quick story along. I'm sure my listeners have heard a lot of this before, but I, well, you can I, cut it out for them. I'd like to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, I, I started from psilocybin as well, but that actually directly started my music in East Forest because I had had a powerful experience like you. Um, mine was in 2008. Okay. And I'd had other experiences in my life, but I had one really seminal one. Mm-hmm. And it was with music, and I had been writing music for me to use in that experience. Like that was the only reason I was making music. I was like, I want to meditate to this on mushrooms. Yeah. And I didn't really have, that was just kind of a side thing I was doing and I did it. And anyway, it changed my life and it just really, things started to unfold from that where like I had friends inviting me to begin to guide ceremonies with people taking psilocybin and I would Mm -hmm. provide the music live. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have sort of like your first tour I did, I'd never done it and I didn't know anything about it, nor did I have a way to do it live. Uh-huh. So I had to develop it. And that's why I started looping. And that's why I yeah, started yeah. bringing in the field recordings. And that's why it was long form and sort of slow. And I just trial and error was figuring out just what worked best in the space for people so that they had a positive experience. Yeah. That yeah. Was it. yeah. And after many years of this, you start to kind of create a musical language. Uh, and it, that is now pretty unique sounding but it's because it came from a very specific purpose and then i branched out from there and like you i i don't play as many instruments as you but i i had a lot of interest in different styles and so inevitably some of my records would go in this way and that way whether it's lyrics or beats or ambient or more classical Mm -hmm. um and people never knew how to what genre to put it in and i know for you too that's a thing and i'm always like well me too, but I don't know. I just, I I think I had good taste. Like the kind of music I like is like your music and a lot of the people you've worked with. I mean, all the stuff we all know. It's like, yeah, yeah. I like good music. Yeah. And I just like music that really, mo- I like music that really moves me. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. It's the stuff that kind of is an emotional connection for me when I listen to yeah. it. And yeah. that's the kind of music I like to make because that's how I like to feel. And some people call it new age. Some people call it electronic. Some people call it classical. Some people call it whatever, pop. Yeah. Yeah. Ambient. And I was just like, take your pick. <laughs> but the yeah. yoga world picked it up first. Uh-huh. And it, okay. it was not my doing, shall I say. Yeah. Like I didn't know anything about that world. And that was a new thing in the States where they started having these festivals with like music festival meets yoga festival. And my first outing was being hired by one of those companies to right. come to multiple festivals and that kind of kickstarted things. Yeah, yeah. And oh, so that world has been a, a big part of my audience, but I, you know, I, I've always wanted to make music to reach like everyone. 
And yeah, like, yeah. even though it's deeply spiritualized, just because that's what my life, I suppose, has become, but I would say no more than you. I just talk about it a lot because I can't sure. stop talking about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not the mushroom guy, but somehow I've become the mushroom guy because uh-huh. I do <laughs> right. believe it's important. And I find myself, I'm constantly talking about it, even though I don't do it that often. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But now I'm like, uh, in this world of like this new psychedelic research and music and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and creating music for this and and just exploring it because yeah. sort of like yourself we can do this now right we can just do as musicians what we want and what excites us and release it and there's yeah. people out there you can make an audience on your own yeah absolutely yeah that's so cool man and i, I really like that you say i like how you described um you know when you first started off playing live sort of trying to figure out what makes the listeners happy. I think that's a very uh, lovely way to come at it. You know, I think there's a lot of artists who are like, you know, I don't care about the audience. I just do what I like, you know, and that, that, that's fine too. And sometimes that works out great. But, you know, I think um, over the years I've, I've, you know, I, 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 I see what I do as, as, my service to the world it's like the, the thing that i'm that it's the thing that i'm useful for you know um, because mm-hmm. the number of times that i've tried to say okay i'm done with music i'm going to do something else now and it's like the universe kicks me in the ass and says no you need, you need to go do this <laughs> you know uh, other things just never work out and music opportunities just pour in so at some point i just realized okay this is this is what i'm being asked to do and and um so yeah, I, I really try to s- approach it from that way as well. To you know, like how can I best serve these these people who are who are listening? Um, but I, I you know at the same time, I like to I like to provoke people and poke at them a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. too. You know, maybe don't let them get too comfortable, or when they Indeed get comfortable, do, yeah. just give them a little bit of a wink, wink, jab. <laughs> and and do you feel, Peter, that you're with your music? Do you have a, an, a feeling you are trying to engender in people specifically, or any or any sort of agenda with it? No, no, I, I I wouldn't dare try to put that into words. I don't think I you know if I could describe it, it would just be awe. You know, I really I really like I love that. I, I would really I would consider it such a success if I play a show. And people feel awe, awe inspired, you know, they, they, they're sort of wide eyed and, you know, um, happy. Uh, so, but that can come in so many different ways, you know? Um, so, but I like to surprise people a lot. I really like to, you know, throw something in, whether it's in the middle of a song or the middle of a set that just kind of surprises people a bit. Um, that's really important for me. Yeah, I definitely sense that from your music. And I think it was something I was speaking to or trying to speak to at the beginning. I, I think I was saying irreverency, but that felt pejorative. It was, it's not irreverent. It's, uh-huh. uh, there's a, there's a, there's a joyousness or a lightness to it. And I like, yeah, you do yeah. have that element of surprise and you take corners sometimes and it's fun. It's an element of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Having a bit of fun, but also, you know, I, I love this, these transitions from like, light and playful to just like deep sorrowful or you know um Mm. contemplative um i love this contrast you know between the dark dark and the light and you know the funny and the sad and all that um 
So, so yeah. Uh, but you know, I also, I'm, I'm very grateful for anyone who takes the time to listen as well. So I, I ultimately, I always try to bring it back around and, 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 um, and, and serve them well. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think, I think for me, I, you know, the things that reward me most are the things that I have to struggle a little bit for. If it's made too easy for me, then I don't appreciate it as much, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I think that, that little bit of, of struggle or, or confusion can, can be, uh, make the clarity all that more clear when it is clear, you know? It's the grist for the mill. I mean, are you someone that tends to say yes to things or someone who will take risks even when you're like, how the hell would I do that? Yeah. I've always had a really hard time saying no. Um, and you know, sometimes it's to my detriment. I'm definitely better at it now than, than 10 years ago. Um, now, now I can pick and choose a little bit more what I want to do, but, but still I just, I'm so grateful when anyone reaches out to me, you know, like, uh, I I understand that. And, um, yeah, so, so, and I, I really like, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a workaholic as well. I always love to just work on stuff. Um, so yeah, I do say yes a lot. (laughs) So, um, what is it you're working on now? What's coming up for you besides this? Um, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but the rework you did for the Ramdas record will be out on November 15th, 2019. That's right. Um, yeah, I've done a couple remixes lately and that's, that's been fun. It's been nice to have a couple of them at the same time of kind of deconstructing someone else's material yeah. and then Get into the flow. putting your yeah. own creative spin on it. Um, and I've got, uh, several other projects of my own. I'm about to do a little tour here in the UK, which was, uh, it was some music that I originally got asked to make for a set of murals that was in a gallery. So i I, I wrote the music for these murals. I actually turned the the murals into like a graphic score. So, you know, this color is this note and this shape is this instrument. And so the, fantastic. Mu- the, the, the murals became a score and I, I wrote and performed this piece of music there. And I, I fell in love with the project so much. I thought I want to perform this elsewhere. So I'm, I'm currently, just before I spoke to you, I was trying to um, put together a slideshow presentation that of this artwork and the whole story behind it that I can share while I present this music on this tour that starts this weekend. So that's okay. what I'm doing right now. And then um, next year, I'm I'm uh, releasing a new album of um, sing songs, like folky folky type songs. Um, so so I'm kind of gearing up for that and figuring out how the whole uh, thing is going to go. You know, which song will I make a video for, and you know, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff which is really fun um and i also have been uh i was prompted a couple weeks ago by a family friend in in ireland who told me that there's a serious lack of um of books on irish edible foods and it really got me thinking i've been i've been starting to um formulate some ideas for a book about um wild wild foods so i don't i don't know if or when I'll get there, but it's been on my mind a lot lately. And maybe, maybe saying it here now will, will, will keep me to it somehow. That would be nice. 
I, I love all these music things that are sort of synesthetic, you know, that involve tastes or smells and that stuff yeah. I've played with a lot yeah. too. And I just love it, especially when it gets site specific, uh-huh. how you perform uh-huh. it. Yeah, it's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Fantastic. What are you working on at the moment? Well, we are wrapping up these reworks throughout the end of the year and it's been a very fluid process. So some of them, such as yourselves, you make it so easy on me, you just deliver something. Mm-hmm. And some of them, mm-hmm. like Laraji's, I, I mixed it for him and then sure. others I might sort of produce and help. Uh-huh. And so it's uh-huh. that's kind of happening right now and, okay. and we'll do that through the end of the year and... And then I'm, I made a record called Music for Mushrooms, a soundtrack for the Psychedelic Practitioner that I released this uh-huh, year. Uh-huh. It's a five-hour record for, um, it was intended to be used in the therapeutic setting okay. for people to go on okay. psilocybin journeys. And it was a live record that I recorded in a ceremony and I just sort of turned it into a release. And I'm releasing a, like a, a one-hour version of it next year. Okay. So I'm just more in that phase like you of like, making vinyl and getting that buttoned up but um, yeah yeah other than that i'm not sure what 2020 is going to hold i've got some touring going on i'm, I'm going to china for the yeah, first time you mentioned i was in china yeah. when you when you told me oh, right <laughs> how did that go it was great actually you know i was in macau which is which is known as the las vegas of china <laughs> um, so it's it's just it's all casinos and, and it was quite surreal um Wow. But the the guy who put on the show was it was the Macau International Music Festival, and every year they they try to invite like one artist that's like a little bit more obscure or experimental. Mm. Um, so I was that artist this year, and and so uh, but it, it turned out to be really lovely, um, but definitely a very surreal place. Where where are you going in China? Uh, outside Shanghai. It's a okay. festival called the At One Festival. I think it's sort of a wellness-based oh, festival. Okay, um, yeah. Well, that'll um, be interesting for you. Yes, it will. Yeah. And so that's that's right around the corner here next week. And then, um, you know, just some. I do a lot of one-off things, and then I'll probably do something. Um, I'm going out to Australia for the first time too in mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big trip for me. Wow. Yeah. It, it, so is music it, your kind of full-time gig these days? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's been full-time for about five years, <clears throat> Okay, four or five okay. years. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure you know how it goes. So it's sort of an, you just always, there's always things to do, let yeah. alone yeah. making music. <laughs> and, and what's I it love... like where, where you um, are spending time in Utah now? So I spend time with my girlfriend, Rada, in Boise a lot. Okay. And and that's one because she's there and her business is there and her kids are there. Mm -hmm. There's also an airport there. So when you said take a bus in Ireland three some hours, I was like, dude, I know I have to go four and a half hours from here to the airport. (laughs) So it's not a very sustainable thing to do like full time, 12 months. And I have to go over a mountain in the winter. It's like sometimes you can't. And it's just, yeah, after a few of that. those, you're like, what the hell am I doing? Exactly. I was, last year in the winter, I had to get up at like 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport by like 11 a.m. Oh, know? wow. And, and everything That's... was frozen. I couldn't open like compartments to like, and I had to blow air through the lines and then get my car yeah. and it was snowing. And I was thinking that, what the hell am I doing? That's just silly. Uh, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But it's, I'm here. 
yeah. because uh, it's the most beautiful and spiritual place I've ever been in my life. And it's mm. endlessly humble, humbling and uh, inspiring. It's such a rich, raw place mm. that it just makes me feel the most alive wow. uh, as a human being. And so I just, well, that's, that's why a good I reason. do all these. That's a good reason yeah, to be there. So that's why I bet I do there's all a lot of great wild foods around there that we could, we could forage. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have you down sometime and yeah. we can, we can go get our friend Dave holiday and he can take us out to uh, cool. live off the land. <laughs> we'll be in a cave. We'll awesome. make an album in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. cool. Um, cool, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving us the time. Yeah. And I yeah. can't wait for everyone to hear your work and it's been great just to be able to, to get to know you a little better. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for re- reaching out about this Ramdas thing and, um, good luck with all the rest of those, those remixes and all that. And yeah, man, um, I'm sure we'll cross paths somewhere at some point. Maybe it'll be like in Antarctica or something. First ever <laughs> the festival. wellness yeah. festival in Antarctica. <laughs> For global warming. I could see it happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just stream it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care, Krishna. Well, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Um, it was a real treat for me to be able to get to to know him a bit better and find all those points of connection and, and kind of go full circle and bring it all back together from that first email I sent him so many years ago. This track you are hearing in the background is the track. It's Home, the Peter Broderick rework that is out on all platforms. So go check it out here in High Fidelity. It was mastered by Huntley Miller, who mastered the whole Ramdas record. And he's a genius. And he made it sound just super... Super awesome and incredible. So thank you, Huntley. Um, yeah, like I said, this week is a maybe, but if, if about a podcast episode, but we'll see. Either way, I will catch you soon in December, if not this upcoming week. You guys keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit. But if you do, do it with grace.
Digital Pal. Digital Pal.